all humanoid life forms are to exit the podcast immediately. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 20 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason Venable. In this episode, we're gonna, uh, I couldn't help but wait wanted to give my opinions on the two Wolverine-related books that came out this first week of March. I wanted to give them now. So we have, we have Wolverine entering the age of Ultron, and we have all-new X-Men number eight. And, uh, I have a lot to say, well, I don't know why. I have something to say about both of them. So, all right, here we go. So get out your ones and your zeros, because up first we have Age of Ultron, book one. The next big Marvel event. And um, we don't have that much Wolverine in, in the first issue, but he looks like he's going to play a at least somewhat significant role in the event. So I thought I'd go ahead and at least cover the first issue. And he is in it, just briefly. Um, Alright, yeah, so... Brian Michael Bendis is the writer. Brian Hitch is the penciler. Paul Neary, the inker. Paul Mounts, the colorist. VCs Corey Pettit is the letterer. And then Hitch, Neary, and Mounts do the cover. We have a nice 90s embossed cover. It's actually a pretty good drawing, though. Um, it's Ultron on top of all the, a pile of Avengers bodies. And then he's kind of like palming <laughs> on one side Bumblebee Iron Man and on the other side Captain America. And he's grabbing him by the face. And reflected in his head is Hawkeye, arrow, bow and arrow drawn, taking aim right at Ultron. And Ultron's kind of goldy in this book, as opposed to his usual silver self. And the embossed cover kind of is reflective on Ultron. But I'm kind of moving around under my light right now and getting all kinds of little, uh, little, little light show. Little light show on the podcast that nobody else but me can see. <laughs> all right. And of course, if you open the book, you have just the regular version of the cover. Like no em- embossment. Is that a word? I don't know. It's not embossed on the inside. In Ultron's gold, but everything behind Ultron, all the Avengers and all the destruction is in black and white, or it's not really black. It's black and white, but it's hued a certain color. I can't tell if that's a weird blue or a weird green, but anyway. 
And then uh, we have another title page where Age of Ultron Book 1 kind of gives a synopsis of what Ultron is. It says, Hank Pym of the Avengers created the artificial intelligence known as Ultron. It hates humanity. And it has returned. And we have a nice little banner picture of the Avengers that includes Wolverine. And so that's kind of cool. So we open up to New York City today. And it's all futuristic looking. Like it's been taken over by, it looks like a giant spaceship landed on it. And the, the Statue of Liberty is partially destroyed. And there's lightning in the sky. An electrical storm, maybe? By chance. And we open up to a double page spread of a giant spaceship looking thing hovering over a just rubble of New York City. And then we have Hawkeye infiltrating a safe house. He busts in and the owl and hammerhead are running a safe house. And it looks like they're running like an MGH ring, a a mutant growth hormone. They got a bunch of gangsters and thugs trying to take advantage of the women folk. But Hawkeye busts it up. He takes care of everybody. And it turns out the inside they're torturing Spider-Man. So he rescues Spider-Man. And we hear that the owl and Hammerhead have been trying to capture Avengers to sell to them. And we find out that them is most likely Ultron. But I guess they create a big enough disturbance that the Ultron robots, and there's a bunch of them, don't like it. And the panels, where they're all, where they're like, apparently the the Ultrons are so severe that they make everything vibrate, like an earthquake kind of. And those panels look really cool. I don't know who in the inker does that, or, or if the colorist or the artist together somehow do something digitally to make that look that way, where the lines are kind of off. But it looks really cool. It's a nice effect. All humanoid life forms are to exit the premises immediately. And they're shining down lights out of their chest onto the building. Al and Hammerhead are complaining that they paid and there was an understanding and they have Avengers for them. But it doesn't matter because they blow up the building. They light up and shoot these giant beams out of their chest and just blow it right up. But Spider-Man and Hawkeye escape and they run away. Then we see some more wreckage. We have a nice panel of a downed shield helicarrier. And then Hawkeye and Spider-Man. Spider-Man, by the way, is in a ripped up costume and no mask. And they go into a big drain pipe in Central Park. They get attacked by what's left of the Avengers. We have Luke Cage tackles Hawkeye. She-Hulk grabs Spider-Man. And She-Hulk has really short hair. And Luke Cage actually has hair. As opposed to his usually smooth dome. And Iron Man comes out. Not in an Iron Man suit. But like in the suit he wears under the armor. He looks kind of Tronish. And he puts this thing over Peter's mouth. And it kind of like basically gives him an electronic... X-ray, they see that he hasn't been contaminated by anything electronic. Or that Ultron didn't put anything into him. That Hawkeye kind of submits to it willingly and he's cleared. And the Avengers get mad that Hawkeye left. 
And basically, Luke Cage is like, I told you if you left not to come back. And Hawkeye says, well, hey, I had to go get Spider-Man. I wasn't going to leave him up there. So I went and got him. Screw you. We can't change the way we do things. And She-Hulk's like, how do you know no one followed you? And Emma Frost says, they're clean. Leave them alone. And her and Wolverine and Beast and a couple other people in the background, I can't tell, show up. And Wolverine looks like he's floating. <laughs> he's not standing on anything. It's, he's wearing, like, I guess, his ultimate suit. So that's weird. <laughs> I mean, Hawkeye says, thank you, Emma, or words I never thought I'd say. And Luke Cage says, there are rules we have to live by or we're all going to die. Hawkeye says, we're all going to die anyhow, and I'd much rather live with that life the way I want to. And I'm not going to let what happened change the value of my life. And shame on the rest of you. Shame on you for giving up. And She-Hulk's like, no one gave up. And Hawkeye puts his hands in the air. What do you call this? And Iron Man says, we have no plan. And Hawkeye says, and whose fault is that? Iron Man says, he's working on it. And Hawkeye says, is that what you call it? And we turn over. And when the last page is a full page spread of Captain America in a tattered costume, looking very distraught. He's sitting on the ground with his arms on his knees and his head between his arms. And his shield is shattered. And that's book one. Okay. Um, there were parts of it that were really cool. Overall, I actually didn't like it that much. And I was expecting to. I'm not going to lie. I like Bendis. Hitch. Ah, Hitch. Um, I like Hitch okay most of the time. I will say the cover he drew for Ultimates number one, like several years ago, is one of my favorite covers. I love, I'm not even really big into the Ultimate verse, but I I don't know, something about that cover with Captain America holding the shield in the air and the, you know, that cover is very much what everybody always describes Hitch's art as, and that's cinematic. Yeah, and I guess it is. I just don't think it's very consistent. I think he's an artist that is consistently all over the place. And personally, I think he's a little overrated. Not in the fact that he's bad. I don't think he's bad. But a lot of people act like he is like one of the best guys in the biz. And I just don't agree with that. I think there's a whole lot of people I, I prefer to his art. And a lot of the art in this book just is not all that great but then some of it is really good example the last page of captain america all tattered and beaten is awesome and the sequence like i said during the earthquake but even most of the sequence of hawkeye rescuing spider-man is really good and the faces all look really nice and grisly and detailed the section before leading up to that from page one until we see spider-man not that great. And the pages in the in the sewer, actually kind of bad. And I really, I wasn't kidding. Like, when we see the X-Men, Emma Frost and Wolverine aren't standing on anything. It's like, he drew them standing up, and he overlaid them onto a background, and it looks like they're floating. And it looks really bad, in my opinion. Plus, you just have the thing where the faces are really vague and don't look that cool. And I, I, I don't like the way he draws Wolverine. Not in this panel, anyway. 
and considering that's all we have of Wolverine in this book, it's pretty disappointing. Uh, his beast doesn't look very cool. You know, so it's up and down. You know what I'm going to say? You know what this reminds me of? You know, I talked about the, I joked about the cover being 90s with the embossed cover. But this art overall reminds me a lot of a 90s Valiant comic. Like the style of action, the poses, the the facial expressions. There's just something about this reminds me of a lot of like Magnus Robot Fighter or Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Does anybody else get that at all? Because as far as the first chapter of this story is kind of disappointing. And and let me let me explain why. The story's not that bad. It's kind of Terminator-esque in some ways. And you have like nothing about this feels real, if that makes sense. And you know they've been talking about Marvel and Bendis in particular have been saying that this is going to have huge ramifications in the Marvel universe, and they've all stressed it's in continuity. And we have New York today, like it's present time. And maybe that's the part that really kind of messes it up for me. Because I feel like there's been nothing in any of the Marvel Now books to lead up to this. No hints. I I remember people talking about there being a seed laid for this in the uh, free comic book day comic book last year, which I missed. So I don't really know what that's referring to. So I, I hear this is a story that's been a long time coming. And it's supposed to have big ramifications, but it just doesn't feel like it's real. It feels like the other age of Marvel books, uh, referring specifically to uh, Age of Apocalypse, or even more recently, an even less important Age of X. I don't know. I, I have faith in Bendis. I'm interested to see where the series goes and how it does. A, how it ends and how that ties into regular continuity. But yeah, just the timing of this issue. We have this issue with no real introduction. We're suddenly in this kind of post-apocalyptic, Ultron-controlled New York. But it's present day. And we don't know how we got there. And I'm okay with that part. I'm okay with the next few issues or whatever helping explain the lead-up. But it came out at a time where, like, let's just take some of the books we've been doing on here. Wolverine and the X-Men. Okay, we just covered 25. This book came out, and we're going to cover 26. We're just going to have nothing, like, between 25 and 26, this doesn't happen. Unless, you know, it all gets undone or wiped away and doesn't really happen. And that's the way I feel like it doesn't feel real. There's nothing in... The books, and I know in a couple of months we have Age of Ultron tie-ins that start in some of the series. But even those, looking at solicitations, just look like commercials. You know, like we have one Wolverine and the X-Men book. Well, this says number 26AU. So are these books not even going to be like the regular, is like going to be special numbering? You know, like like instead of the point one, they'll be number whatever AU. Is that... So when I first thought, I just thought... You know, sometimes in the solicitations, like on Diamonds or Comics List or whatever, sometimes they'll say after the title, like what it is. Like like all the new ones now, it'll say like, all new X-Men number eight now, referring to it being part of Marvel now. 
or it'll say, you know, um, Avengers blah, 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 F.I., back when Fear Itself was out. So when I saw this stuff, I just thought it said AU, like referring that it was an Age of Ultron tie-in. But now I'm thinking, because I know we have Wolverine and the X-Men number 26 come out with the Savage Land, Land story, and then we have this one, number 26 AU, that's a tie-in to this, so I guess the AU is part of the number. Well, that's kind of weird, but kind of cool. Yeah, I don't know. It just... The, the stuff with the owl and hammerhead wasn't that cool. I will say, this has potential to be my favorite Hawkeye story. I'm kind of so-so on Hawkeye. I liked Bendis writing him as Ronan when he was in New Avengers. And I liked him in the movie. That had a lot to do with just the fact that I really liked Jeremy Renner. <laughs> I think more than anything else. And just because it was such a good movie. I liked kind of everybody in it. But as far as the comics, I'm kind of... I like Hawkeye okay. Kind of, not really that much. But he's really cool in this book. And then kind of the like, like he's the one that went back and saved Spider-Man. And he's the one that's not giving up. And he's the one that's calling out Iron Man and Captain America, who are supposed to be, you know, combined with Thor to be the big three in the Marvel Universe. And Hawkeye is kind of saying, well, we're not doing anything. You guys aren't leading us. So I had to go take things in my own hand. I, That was cool. Hawkeye's really badass in this comic, and I really enjoyed that. Dadgummit, I wasn't going to like this issue, and now I kind of am a little bit. But not that much. The art, the art through most of the issue irks me. And as far as the setup leading into the series, you pretty much sum it up. I mean, you pretty much sum up the whole issue as saying... Ultrons have destroyed New York and they're in charge and humans are in danger. The Avengers are in hiding and Hawkeye went and rescued Spider-Man and brought him home. To their home in the sewers with the Ninja Turtles. That's pretty much it. Jeez. Ah. What am I going to give this book? It is... I'm going to give Age of Ultron book one... I really... I don't know. Um, going to give it... You know what? I really... Other than the Hawkeye part, I didn't really... It wasn't that enjoyable to me. I am looking forward to the series, but I didn't like this book very much. I'm not trying to be negative. It just... It wasn't a very satisfactory intro to me, personally. And I know reading stuff online, I'm in the minority there. But it's my podcast, and I get to say how I feel. And I'm wavering between one and two claws... If I gave half claws, I'd probably give it one and a half. To me, the Hawkeye sequence doesn't save it enough. I'm going to give Age of Ultron book one, one out of three claws. I'm hoping to come around on the series and my ratings, I hope, steadily go up. But right now, I just I, it doesn't feel like it matters. The story wasn't that great. The art was okay. Age of Ultron, book one. I'm going to give one out of three claws. All right, well, let's, uh, let's move on. Okay, so now we're going to move on to a book I liked a whole lot. A whole lot more and just a whole lot in general. In our all-Bendis episode, we're going to get both sides. <laughs> Actually, you know, looking back on, on the previous segment, Bendis' dialogue in the Age of Ultron, book one, was still pretty good. But anyway, enough of that. 
all new X-Men number 8 is what we're going to talk about now. And it is fantastic. <laughs> Give my hand away right away. Um, Alright, it is also written by Brian Michael Bendis. With art by David Marquez. Colors by Marte Gracia. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. And the cover is by Eminem, Von Grabager, and Gracia. This cover is pretty freaking sweet. We have the uh, all-new X-Men, of course, on one side. And then split screen with the Avengers. We have Captain America, Thor, Hawkeye, and um, Black Widow. And it's a really nice cover. And so we know the Avengers are coming to town. Alright, so we start off where we left off. Where young Angel finally met old Angel. And remember in this book I'm referring to age. Young and old. Which doesn't entirely apply since our Angel, old Angel, got rebooted. And he's pretty young too. So I... Anyway... For the sake of not being confused, I'm going to still refer to him as Old Angel. And of course, remember, Young Angel has been very, like, freaked out about what's going on. But he finally meets Old Angel, and Old Angel flies off, and Young Angel is following him. And they're flying, and he's trying to get him to slow down so he can talk to him and figure out. He wants to know what happens to him, or what happened to him. And Old Angel refers to New Angel as being uh, wound way too tight. And Young Angel says, you're worn too. And Old Angel says, well, huh. See, this is going to be hard for you. Warren was, I mean, we were born Warren, but we are Angel. I'm Angel. We were Angel. (laughs) And Young Angel just kind of stares at him. Old Angel is like, all right, all right, I know that look. I'm excited to meet an older model of myself, which just confuses Young Angel even more. And Young Angel starts freaking out. And he's like, he's trying to get an explanation. But then we get a big explosion. And the two angels see an explosion in New York. And Old Angel's like, Avengers Tower! Young Angel's like, the Avengers live in a mansion! Or in Avengers Mansion! And old, old Angel's like, yeah, well, not anymore, follow me! And the two angels fly into action. And we have Hydra attacking Avengers Mansion with their Hydra Robotech robots, <laughs> which have a logo on it. And uh, Old Angel says, logo says Hydra. I love when they put their logos on things. It makes it so much easier to figure out what's what. And so he explains who Hydra is. Young Angel wants to call the Avengers. (laughs) Old Angel says, I'm sure they already know. Well, then we should call the X-Men. And like, come on, this will be fun. And Young Angel's like, fun? And so they dive right in and start attacking Hydra. We had a pretty nice sequence of some aerial battles. Of course, we have Hydra guys in jet packs. Jet packs. Said that all weird. And, um... <laughs> Young Angel's like, Avengers? Uh, Avengers, hello? Uh, um... Avengers Assemble? That's a thing, right? 
He goes, are the Avengers actually not home? Which if you remember, you know, back when the X-Men were doing their thing in the 60s and 70s, when it, the, the reason that, because teams didn't interact that much, and the reason they always had to take off big issues without each other is because somebody was always not home. If the Avengers were doing something that obviously the X-Men should have been involved in back in the day, then, oh wait, the X-Men are on a different mission. I guess the Avengers will step in and take care of it. Or, you know, the X-Men have to take something that obviously the Avengers would be aware of and come fight. But to explain their absence in comics, they would say, oh, well the Avengers are off doing this and that and that. That's why the X-Men had to step in and fight by themselves. <laughs> so when when young Angel here says, are the Avengers actually not home? That made me laugh a lot the first time I read it. And we have a nice, and I've, I've talked a lot about the strength of Marquez's art, and one of his strengths is his faces. We have this page of kind of contrasting battles where young angels kind of flying around in the jetpacks and getting shot at and trying not to get killed. And we have his face on the bottom of the page and he's super panicked and super worried. And you can tell from the face. It looks awesome. And on the opposite page, we have old angel flying through all the jetpacks and using his metal wings and I get, I think shooting his shards as well from his wings. And all his jetpack guys are blowing up. Their jetpacks are exploding. And we see the bottom of the page in his face. And he's having a blast. And you can read it all over his face. And these two pages together make an awesome... It's not really a spread because there's different panels and they're not the same page per se. But it looks really cool and it makes a really nice page with really nice contrast. It looks fantastic. We get a nice close-up of the uh, Hydra Mecha, and the logo on the thing looks really cool. The old angel was kind of joking about it, but it looks really sweet. You know, the skull with the octopus things coming out, and it's kind of on the top of this Robotech-looking armor, and it looks really cool. So the two angels go to town on this guy. Young angel tries to kick in the cockpit. Then Old Angel uses his metal wings and just flies right through the thing. And then, um, uh, <laughs> Young Angel's wing gets singed by a, a bullet. So he gets mad, but they kind of get surrounded by the Hydra robots. And Old Angel uses one of his new powers and shoots a fiery light and blows up all the robots like all around him. The young angel is also surrounded and he's kind of getting taken out and gets hit and he's falling from the sky and old angel realizes he's like no and he's flying down to try to catch him and right as he catches him the Avengers come home <laughs> and they join in the battle and make pretty quick work. Uh, Thor in a really nice panel has a really big lightning strike. And Hulk lands on the ground with about five Hydra guys under each arm. And Old Angel says, you scared me there. And Young Angel says, I'm okay. Ugh! And he's obviously in pain. And old, old Angel's like, you're bleeding. Well, I'm not dead. 
And old angel says, hold still, I can heal you. And he's like, you can? Hold still. And young angel's like, since when can we... It says, I'm sorry, since when can you? Since when can you heal people? I can't heal people. And Thor, in nice business, Thor says, Oh, good mutant angel, you protected our home in our absence. A great debt we hold in your name and your... And Hawkeye's like, you know there's two of you, right? And then this, to me, is starting the section that I, I cannot wait to talk about this issue. Till next time, till like the end of the month. I had to to talk about this and get it out there. I mean, we have another issue coming out this month anyway, so I can include that in the regular episode. But but this starts off a whole sequence that is just killer to me. I love it. So Captain America walks up and he's like, "Why are there two of you?" And then we switch to the Jean Grey school and we see a Quinjet landing with both angels on either side. And Kenny Pride looks up and is like, uh-oh. And Wolverine's like, yep. Can I just say again that I love Marquez's Wolverine? You know, whenever he gets done, I don't know if him and Eminem are going to flip-flop arcs. I kind of hope they do on this book. But if he ever leaves this book, instead of going back to the Ultimate Spider-Man, which I think he's still doing some of anyway, I'd love to see David Marquez do a Wolverine book. Like, would seriously love it. It would be awesome. And I like his little red outline of Captain America here. It looks really cool. So Captain America gets off the plane and he's like, Henry, may I speak to you for a moment? And of course, they're really close right now because of the whole Secret Avengers thing. And Storm's like, you should go over there, Wolverine. <laughs> Wolverine crosses his arms and says, I ain't going anywhere near that. <laughs> and then we get a nice dialogue. You know, we've already had the Kenny Pride Iceman date night over with uh, Jason Aaron and uh, Wolverine and the X-Men. Well, now we get a really good insight into why the relationship works. Well, further. Because Jason Aaron gave really good insight, too. And, of course, I love Jason Aaron, so I'm not... When I'm saying we get really good insight, I'm not saying instead of. I'm saying in addition to. But I'm going I'm to kind of read some of this because it made me laugh really hard. Um, can you pride? I sarcastically wonder what that conversation is going like. Iceman says, I know exactly what the conversation is going like. I said sarcastically, Calf is saying... You're telling me that you once again abuse the space-time continuum for your own selfish purposes. But Captain, you see indubitably, vis-a-vis, concurrently, there are many theories how the space-time continuum is a natural living organism that doesn't blah blah blah. I love how Kenny Pride makes fun of Beast vocabulary. And Iceman said, still voicing Captain America with an awesome face here again, thanks to Marquez, says, um, Don't talk to me with your double-talking space science jibber-jabber. I'm from 1940. I don't understand how you people do it with your Model T Fords and your ladies that walk around with their arms uncovered. <laughs> Which also made me think of... I'm just an unfrozen caveman. <laughs> and Kevin Nealon on SNL. Hilarious. Um, Alright, so we continue. Let me make this perfectly clear. The Avengers don't like that you X-Men just do whatever you want. We are watching you. 
um, Uncanny Avengers. Captain America taking a little swing there. We are not children, Captain, except that most of us are. <laughs> you have to take responsibility for your actions. It's bad enough that Scott Summers is running around declaring a mutant revolution while you guys sit here and do nothing about it. Why don't you do something about it, flag boy? What should I do? What should I do? Hey, so help me if you know where Scott Summers is and you're not telling us. Dear Captain, if I knew where Scott Summers was. And then young Scott Summers walks through the crowd. Wolverine's like, what do you think you're doing? And Storm's like, Scott, don't. And then it's funny as, we, as he walks up to the conversation between Captain America and Beast. Turns out that, that Iceman and Kenny Pride weren't that far off because we walk up and Captain America himself is saying, and if I find out that you know, <laughs> and you know he's saying exactly what Iceman said, that he would have said, that he's going he's gonna to get mad at Beast for maybe potentially hiding information on Cyclops. Then he stops short speechless as he sees the young Cyclops right in front of him. And he kind of extends his hand. I can't tell if he's just gesturing or if he's sticking it out to shake and Captain America leaves him hanging. I'm not sure. But he says, Hello, Captain. I've been studying up on recent events. I realize that you and I have found ourselves on different sides of the fence on a lot of issues. I just wanted you to know that I plan on doing everything I can to make it right. I hope you give me that chance. And again with awesome faces by Marquez, the Avengers are just dumbstruck. And Cyclops walks back to the school. And in a nice turn of events, showing that we may actually see a different relationship between Wolverine and, and this Cyclops. Wolverine kind of smirks. He's like, nicely done. <laughs> Young Cyclops says, you're welcome. Kind of walks back into the school. And everyone's kind of looked at, looking at him in amazement. Which I'm not real sure why. I mean, I know at this point, Scott Summers doesn't have all the experience that he will have later. But he's still the leader of the X-Men. And they know he's a good leader. So I'm not sh- sure why they're completely shocked at what he did and what he said. But they're definitely all kind of, everybody's on the X-Men side. is kind of impressed. <laughs> Then we switch back. Count America says, Henry, please tell me you have this under control. And B says, I don't have any of it under control. Count America says, at least try to keep me in the loop. There is no loop. Just, I'll do my best, Captain. That's all I can ask. That's all I can do. Then the Avengers take off. And we get a loud, annoying beep. And Wolverine, with his sensitive hearing, covers covers his ears. And he's like, damn, Hank, what the hell is that noise? My lab, the alarm just went off. Someone broke in. And Storm automatically assumes it's Quentin Choir. But everybody looks at Old Angel. And Beast says, it's Warren. And Young Beast says, the time cube. And sure enough, with another great face, we have Young Angel, very panicky, Trying to override the time cube. And young beast and young cyclops run in to stop him. Now you don't know how to work that. We have an agreement. And young angel turns around. His eyes are all red from crying. And he has tears running down his face. 
It's like, no, you, you made an agreement. I was outvoted. I'm going home. I don't like it here. We, we, we shouldn't be seeing this stuff. And Iceman, want, young Iceman wants to talk about it. But Angel continues, have you seen me? Have you seen what I've become? Something really bad happened to me. I don't want to be here. If young Beast makes the old Beast argument, if you go back, Professor X is going to mind wipe us. And Angel's like, good, I don't care. Stop talking in circles. If this is the way our lives go, it's because we earned it. I want to go home. I want to go home in a second. I can go home. I'm getting the hell away from you people. You, you wanted to teach me something? You wanted to show me something? You showed me that I need to get the hell away from. And he's screaming in anguish and crying. And then he stops cold. And he's wide-eyed. And the young X-Men just kind of look at him. And we see the same panel again. The young Iceman's like, is he having a stroke? And young Cyclops is like, Warren? And young Angel snaps out of it. And he's like, hey, what's for lunch? I'm starving. Is anybody else starving? And the everybody's just kind of like, what? And we get a voice off panel. He'll be fine. And this gets really nice. We have young Jean Grey walking into the room. In the, she's in the dark. She's in the shadow, coming from a you know dark room into the light room, and she says, "We're not going back." And young Beast is like, "Genie, did you just?" He'll be fine. And young Beast says, "You're not allowed to go digging into other people's minds and just change them for your own reason." She calls him a hypocrite, <laughs> and she still has kind of the six the old hairdo, which I did. She have that last time. Or is it more modern? I don't remember. But she has it now. Which kind of ups the creep factor a little bit. And she says, We're staying. It was decided. He just needs to calm down. So I helped him calm down. Everything is fine. And then she's walking off. And she goes, I can read your minds. Stop worrying. I'm in total control. And this last panel is awesome too. We have Storm doesn't know what to think. Old Beast is is kind of shocked. Kitty Pride is way shocked. She has her hands in front of her mouth. Wolverine looks worried and he's looking at the ground with his arms crossed. Old Angel looks like he's thought. <laughs> it looks like he's just deep in thought. Like he's just trying to analyze everything that's going on. I hmm, this is interesting. Young Angel is still just kind of blissfully unaware. He's looking at the ceiling, facing away from it. He's the only one not watching Gene walk off. Young Hank and young Scott are in shock. We have the two Icemen together also in shock. And I didn't notice this the first time around, and I don't know for sure. This is what Marquez is doing. But it looks like old Iceman literally just shit himself. Because underneath him... Are, is a little pile of ice rocks. <laughs> or possibly ice turns, maybe? <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So this book is jam-packed of awesomeness. I love Bendis. Uh, Marquez art, again, is fantastic. Gracia did a great job on the colors and the lettering was good. Just another super high-quality book from All New X-Men. But a lot happens in this book. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So the Avengers 
find out about the young X-Men being in the present. That's big. It's big stuff. They're worried about it. And they should be. And you know, again, <laughs> I feel like after the Punisher Warzone series, and after this, Wolverine and Captain America should be having some words coming up down the line. I mean, they really should be. I don't... I'm not exactly sure exactly what issue order all the Marvel Now books go in. So I'm not sure how far we're in to um, Uncanny Avengers, but we're in it. Because Professor X's death precedes both of these books. And AVX precedes both... Like, both of these books, I feel, comes right on the heels of AVX and Professor X's death. Professor X's death is a catalyst for both all-new X-Men and Uncanny Avengers. So they're, they're concurrent, at least, to some degree. And Captain America and Wolverine are on Uncanny Avengers together. And now, Wolverine helped the Punisher, and he has not told Captain America about young X-Men being in the present. That's got to make for tension. And I want to see it. And I want to see it soon. I want to see Captain America and Wolverine. I don't want to see them fight necessarily. Though I wouldn't argue with that. But they damn well better butt heads a little bit. Or at least argue. <laughs> to some degree about Wolverine's quote unquote loyalty. I know Captain America called him out saying he didn't know what side he'd be on with the Punisher. But then he helped the Punisher again after the Captain America told him to just steer clear of the whole issue. So I, I don't know, this book to me, this issue adds a level of distrust between Captain America and Wolverine. It has to. I hope that's not ignored. I talked, you know, last time that I, I feel sadly that Punisher Warzone is probably going to be mostly ignored. Well, this can't be. I mean, this book is one... In my opinion, it's the best Marvel Now book. And it's definitely one of the flagship Marvel Now books. Which, by the way, if you're not reading the new Uncanny X-Men, you should be. It's also pretty awesome. I won't really talk about it on here specifically because Wolverine's not in it at this point. I'm sure it'll pop in. There'll be some interplay between these books. But um, anyway, you, you get my full recommendation for the new Uncanny X-Men. Yeah, so you have the Avengers finding out what's going on and not being happy about it. And then, I don't know, this Jean Grey thing at the end is pretty shocking to me. Because you know, fresh on everybody's mind is the Phoenix Force coming to Earth with the Phoenix Five and the whole Avengers versus X-Men thing is on everybody's mind. And with that, you know, Logan in particular, probably most of the other X-Men, were forced to think about losing Jean Grey when she went all Dark Phoenix. And this Jean Grey coming back, while is happy, has to also, coming back on the heels of AVX, seeing a young Jean Grey has to make them all think about Jean Grey dying on the moon and losing control of the Phoenix Force. And now this Jean Grey comes in and very just clinically, almost unemotionally, without asking permission, and with really without acting like 
she did anything wrong, just very coldly goes in and rewires Angel. Now, will he stay calm? Will he completely change his mind? Or is she just actually calm his nerves temporarily? I'm not sure. But she possibly abused her power. She at least used it in a way that the other X-Men are uncomfortable. And she doesn't care what they think about it. There is shades. I don't think we're going to get another Phoenix story this soon. Okay, just let me say that. But there is shades of some of the problems that Jean had. You know, I've talked a couple of times in this issue about how the young Jean Grey coming to the present has been forced to kind of accelerate into the Jean Grey we know and love. It has been a very positive thing. Well, this is one aspect where maybe it's not quite so positive. I don't know. It's really compelling and really interesting. And the Wolverine looking down... Man, this has got to stab him right in the heart. Like, no, I can't. Nothing bad can happen in this gene again. I can't lose her. I can't lose her, like, dying. I have to protect her. I can't lose her to any of the darkness that Jeannie struggled with, Phoenix-related or not. So, you know, he's just got to be just broken about this. It's just really, really cool. I cannot rave enough about this book. All eight issues, and I say this every time, that every issue has been fantastic. But again, this this number eight is just an, another issue, eight in a row, of a really fantastic stellar comic book. I love it. Yeah, all new X-Men number eight. I cannot wait to see what happens next. I'm glad number nine comes out in a couple of weeks because I want to... I want to see some of this followed up. I want to see a different story. I know on the cover we have Mystique and Sabretooth. Can't wait for that. Man, this book is just it's really exciting right now. And I just got to say, I put this on Twitter. All new X-Men and Uncanny X-Force are, they, are the two most visually pleasing books I'm buying right now. They, it's the two best looking books. And Batman's right behind that. Anyway, I I can talk about how much I love this book forever, but I won't. All New X-Men number 8 is a very, very definite, very strong 3 out of 3 clause. Okay, cool. Well, like I said, I love this issue so much, and I felt like Age of Ultron was supposed to be important enough that this warranted a special episode just for the first week of March. So that's what we got. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, we'll conclude now. Alright, cool. Okay, so that's going to conclude our special episode covering Age of Ultron Book 1 and All New X-Men Number 8. One of which I'm enjoying the potential a lot more than the first issue. And one of which I'm enjoying the book immensely. I know a lot of people, like I said, I know I'm in the minority not liking Age of Ultron book number one so much. I'd like for some people to tell me why you disagree with me. For those of you in the vocal majority, um, I want to like the book. I'm going to keep buying it because Wolverine is supposed to be pretty involved and I expect it to get better. But I would love to know why everybody else liked it as much as they did. I'm just 
So give me some feedback. Let me know if you're as in awe of all new X-Men as I am. I'd like to hear some feedback on that too. Um, you can email at snitcast at yahoo.com. Um, like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash snitpodcast fan page. Or on Twitter, we're at snitcast. So um, any of those ways are good ways to... Um, I know, I've noticed uh, going through my stats, got a lot of people getting this off of iTunes. So maybe I should give the webpage address. That's uh, www.snitcast.podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Um, so that's a good way to like get show notes and stuff. And I have some links to some other cool stuff on there. Yeah, so uh, next week... I'll probably do another mini episode because the new Wolverine number one comes out. So I'll probably definitely want to talk about that before the end of the month. So that's probably what will be next, most likely. Uh, Something could happen to change that, but that's the plan right now. So, all right, cool. I'll see everybody next time. Take care. Hugs and snicks. Bye.